0: Hey, y'all. Welcome to another edition of State of the Braves. I am your host, George McNair. It is great to be back with you. And it's particularly great uh, that the MLB regular season is underway. The Braves are two games into the season now, and we have games to, uh, to analyze, to talk about. Uh, the third game will be tonight, uh, Saturday at 7 p.m., uh, so, or, well, sorry, actually technically 7:20 PM is, is, uh, the game game start time. So be sure to tune into that if you're able, I really, uh, want to dive, uh, into these first two games. That's going to be the primary focus of this episode. However, uh, I really don't want to do this, but, I'm, uh, because of the news, I want to at least address, uh, in the first few minutes here, Ronald Acuna's comments on Freddie Freeman, uh, This news broke right before the season started. Was uh, terrible timing, as you know, you're you're getting into the season, all good feelings. You're about to uh, celebrate your World Series championship in front of your fans uh, for the first time since uh, the World Series was um, was won. And these comments came out from Ronald, and um, so nothing good in terms of the timing. Uh, So if you missed it, Acuna uh, gave uh, an Instagram interview. Uh, with a Spanish-speaking reporter um, and said to the effect that um, there was nothing he would miss uh, about Freddie Freeman um, being gone, being on the Dodgers, that sort of thing. So some pretty negative comments from Acuna on, on Freddie. Uh, it seems like their relationship uh, from his point of view was not particularly good. Um, and I wanted to just address it. Now, Number one, it wasn't very wise of of Acuna to make these comments. Um, there, again, there's nothing really that that is gained by doing this, and this is something that I think generally the Braves really look down upon. Um, I mean, talking about either a current or um, or former teammate, and of course Freddie Freeman. You know, a lot of a lot has been made since he left that um, you know they're going to continue to honor him uh, that they. They view him as they should, as as one of the all-time great Braves. So um, not particularly great that Acuna is going to come out and say something uh, like this, even if it was true. Um, You know, what I will say is it's not really a huge surprise to me that they didn't have the greatest of relationships. I mean, if you follow the Braves over the last few years, um, the reality is ever since Ronald came up, his playing style is one that is incredibly flashy. Uh, very much that Latin American style of of play. And I mean, there's a lot of excitement that comes along with that. Uh, I don't think it's particularly a negative thing, but uh, Acuna does play for the Braves. The Braves are known as uh, one of the, the kind of few teams still in baseball that really take professionalism seriously. I would say the Yankees are, are in that group as well. Um, the Braves don't make their guys uh, be clean shaven like the Yankees, but, but there's a lot of that same kind of thing that the Braves take seriously. And, and you can understand with Freeman being kind of the guy over those years, um, the team leader that he would have been one of the enforcers, uh, in the clubhouse regarding, you know, certain things being professional. I know, um, like one of the team rules is, you know, don't cover, don't cover the a on your hat with your, with your sunglasses. And, um, you know, your hair can't be but a certain length. And I think that one actually might have um, have changed over the last couple of years. Um, I think one that kind of was particularly frustrating to Acuna is you couldn't have too much eye black on your face. I mean, all these things, you know, if you work for a particular company, they have certain rules regarding uh, your dress, you know, the dress code or, or whatever. So, so Freeman must have been one of these players that was tasked with kind of enforcing some of this stuff. And uh, Acuna obviously didn't take, uh, take kindly to it. Um, and again, you know, if, if you were watching the Braves when Acuna came up, this actually was a little bit of a story. I do remember it being talked about a little bit and, you know, but it, it didn't blow up. It it went away, but apparently, um, Ronald, you know, never forgot about it. Um, so anyways it's not a surprise it's just a little frustrating that it came out in the news and that Ronald maybe um, you know doesn't uh, doesn't like Freddie too much or or you know just took that to heart and never kind of let it go um, the other thing that I haven't heard talked about much is the language barrier you know it's um, Ronald still doesn't speak great English he usually uses a translator and to me I just he, he definitely didn't speak English, um, in 2018 when a lot of this was happening. And so, you know, there's no chance for him and Freddie to, to sit down in that moment and for it to be explained well directly. Um, and even today, you know, I just wonder if that barrier has kind of kept them at arm's length and, um, you know, I would just say don't underestimate that factor. So they're likely not very close. And, um, and Ronald, and you know, of course, there's a big age difference there too. There's there's a lot of things going on there um, that I think would get in the way of something like that. Nonetheless, um, you know, it, it happened. Uh, Freeman did address the issue in the media as well. Uh, he had an interview on MLB TV, and he, as Freddie tends to be, I mean, he was just very, very kind about it. He he repeated multiple times that he loves Ronnie. He loves, um, you know, his. His son loves Ronald. His family loves Ronald. He kept, you know, just saying that uh, he wants nothing for the best for him. So, you know, uh, Freeman always comes across very, comes across very classy. I, I'm sure that there that there were um, tensions between those two. I I actually had always noticed that you never really saw them together in the clubhouse or you know on the bench, and there there was just very little um, between the two of them. Just you know outwardly so you know you take that for what it is but anyways I wanted to at least address it um it's not a fun thing to start the the season with I mean basically um you know Freeman is a Braves legend and very likely if Acuna keeps playing the way he he has his last couple seasons uh he's going to be a Braves legend too You, you want those guys to have um somewhat of a good relationship but but you know that some sometimes guys just don't get along so um, anyways let's let's move on from that let's move on to better things and uh, the first two games of the season for the Braves uh, you know the, the game one started with these pregame festivities uh, really cool moment of the championship banner uh, being raised and um, just one little note for me I don't love how the Braves have put their their banners up um, you know they have all of their different uh, division titles up there and um, you know, there's, there's nothing other than like the color of the, the flag and the, the year and they're kind of small and they're out there in, in like beyond right field, I would kind of prefer them to change how those banners look, but maybe it won't change at this point. Maybe it's just going to be what it is. It's just very understated, but I mean, you know, I, that's a small thing. It's very cool, obviously, to be able to hang another championship banner out there and uh, and celebrate that they also i think was really cool as uh, they were also honoring some of the 1995 uh champions as well they're like calling it championship weekend and uh chipper jones of course was out there throwing the first pitch uh to old reliever greg mcmichael who was also part of that 95 world series championship so that's that was cool and um and a great start to um to the season. So game one got underway, and what I will say, you know, game game one was very frustrating to watch. It's one of those, and you'll have many of these throughout um, a baseball season. But but game one is kind of proof of why baseball um, should be 162 games, or at least a lot of games. <laughs> um, you have these games where the team that's that's hitting the ball harder um, loses, right? Um, the Braves had a ton of hard outs, line drives, um, you know, hits that you thinking are home runs that, that die at the wall. Uh, they had so many of these, uh, and the Reds, um, were, I mean, they, they had probably just a couple hard hit balls all game, but they had more hits. They blooped, blooped in quite a few, uh, just over the infield and, you know, it, I mean, it hits a hit and, and they won the game basically off of those and one home run. Um, that'll get into in a little bit, but, um, but there you go. As a Braves fan, very frustrating to watch that. Um, that seemed like our entire first half of the year last year. So hopefully we'll just get, get this out of the way in the first, uh, first series and be done with it. Uh, but you had Ozuna. I mean, from my memory, Ozuna and Darno um, had two balls that I thought were out and they just died on the warning track. Um, a lot of reports is uh, just very cold. Uh, these first two games, ball is not carrying at all, and for whatever reason, I think particularly when it's cold in Atlanta, it really affects the ball. I mean, maybe maybe that's just true across the board, um, but there's there's some some magic to when it warms up in Atlanta, the ball starts to really carry. Um, but particularly to that left center field area, the ball is just dying. Uh, so. I wanted to go through and kind of do like uh, you know a good the good and the bad from each game, and I want to actually start with the bad so that we can end on the good. Um, So the bad from game one, um, you know, other than some of the bad luck that the Braves experienced, which you can't really control, the Braves were definitely chasing a lot of pitches. They were not being patient at all uh, in this first game. You can understand that. I think generally they were all kind of hyped up. I mean, you're already hyped up for the first game of the season, but but celebrating the championship and all that, I think uh, most of the guys had kind of a hard time controlling what they were doing out there. They were chasing a lot of high fastballs. Uh, Tyler Malley did have a really good game, um, and you can see he is a talented pitcher, uh, but they were definitely making it a little easier on him by chasing balls out of the zone. High fastballs, particularly early in the game, and then... Start chasing more sliders away. Which I mean, these are the two pitches um, in little league. You, well, there's no sliders in little league, but you're always told you know lay off the high fastball, um, and then we see uh, hitters getting a lot of trouble when they don't lay off that slider away. Dansby Swanson looked particularly bad. I think he had three strikeouts and ended the game on a on a really ugly strikeout. Um, and you know i I have mentioned that I don't. I don't love Dansby in his approach. I, I I'm not a huge believer. He's just so inconsistent, and um, I mean, I want him to do well, but but when you see at bats and games like that, uh, you just kind of scratch your head and you wonder, um, you know, why his approach is the way it is. The Braves had 13 strikeouts in that game, so again, had a hard time putting the ball um, in play, and Dansby had three of those. Uh, Freed also came out and he was really amped up. I mean, the first inning looked really nice, but you know, he was throwing 98, which, um, he's typically not on that level. I mean, usually he is around 96, but, but 98, I don't know if I've ever seen him throw that hard. And I think what happened is he was, he was so amped up that he wasn't very sharp. So yeah, he had, he had the extra mile per hour, um, or two on his fastball, but he was not locating it very well. And his, his breaking pitches also, particularly his slider, wasn't particularly sharp either. Um, so he ended up, you know, free, Freed was not terrible. He came out of the game and um, with you know with a couple of runners on. And so uh, th- this was kind of the big turning point moment in the game. I think he was one out away in the sixth inning from getting out of it. He's got two runners on uh, Snicker takes him out. You kind of understand, I mean, he was at 80 some pitches at that point, And I'm sure, you know, with the, with the shortened spring training, this is part of it that, um, I'm sure Snicker had a, um, a pitch count on him and that was basically it. And he was going to get him out of the game. But by doing that, you know, he goes to Colin McHugh and, um, on a two, two pitch, Colin McHugh serves up about the fattest hanging slider I've ever seen. Um, and it's hit out of the ballpark by Brandon Drury. Um, this is unfortunate for Colin McHugh. They were just talking about on the broadcast how big of a Braves fan he was growing up, uh, kind of his memories. And then, like as they're talking about that, uh, the very first batter that he ever faces as a Brave, he gives up a home run. So it felt bad for him. Um, but look, I mean, he, he's a guy that that is, he's one of those relievers that's primarily a slider. Uh, thrower, that's kind of his number one pitch, and I just don't think he's sharp right now. You know, it's first game of the season. Uh, it's cold, uh, and um, yeah, he offered up the pitch, and uh, it was hit out of the ballpark. So that was that was the big blow of the game. You know, it goes from three three one to six to one in a moment, and you feel like, well, that might be it. And the fans were definitely taken out of out of it at that point too. Um, you know, the good of this game, there were a few really. Uh, two primary positives that I took away from this game. Number one, Austin Riley goes three for four. His approach looked excellent. Um, he, uh, he crushed a home run. And again, with all these other balls dying at the, uh, at the fence, I'm just like, that ball must have truly been crushed because uh, it went like 424 feet. Um, and just generally, you know, his first at bat was one of those classic. He does this sometimes of, you know, shortening up and going the other way, just a, a basic single through the hole um he had another infield single that you know their first run scored off of that Uh, but yeah he just had a really nice approach and it's encouraging again it's only you know the first game of the season but it's encouraging to see that just carry over from is basically exactly what he was doing last year um and then the other big positive from game one was spencer strider i mean if you watch this guy he came in and was dominant. Remember that Strider, um, they really view him long-term as a starter, and we're going to see what this season, what happens this season with with how they use him. But he comes in for two innings after the Braves go down uh, 6-1, and he just dominated for two innings. He struck out five of six guys. All five strikeouts were, were on 100-mile-an-hour fastballs up in the zone, perfectly located. I mean, he looked unhittable. Uh, so, you know, he's... As a young guy, you know, he's not going to look that way all the time. He's not going to be consistently that dominant. But uh, you you get a glimpse of what he's capable of doing. And um, with with Luke Jackson being down, uh, at least for now, him in the bullpen, you can see that that is going to be uh, probably a big lift for the Braves. So really, really cool to see that. And uh, doing it on national TV, the, the guys, you could tell the guys who were doing the game on ESPN were, were also blown away by that. Um, just one other observation from the game: uh, You have the first at bat from uh, from Olson. You know he's coming in uh, for you know for his first moment. And how are the how are the fans going to react uh, to to him and his and his first uh, chance at the plate? And seeing him get a big ovation uh, was really cool from the fans. I you know I, I generally think the Braves fans have a good gauge on just being uh, you know doing what players need from them and usually being really encouraging, um, and that was true. Uh, and so I think him just feeling that embrace was, was pretty cool, um, from the fans and, and I'm glad that that happened. All right. So game, game one in the books, the Braves lose six to three and they move on to game two. And, uh, a couple pre-game awards were given out um, before before Game 2. You have the, the Silver Slugger Awards and Gold Glove Awards for a couple players. So that's a cool moment, you know. The Braves had multiple uh, award winners for both, uh, including Ozzy Albies, who won a Silver Slugger. And, you know, I just want to take a moment when we're talking about this to, to talk about Ozzy a little bit. I really think that Ozzy may be the key to the Braves offense this year. As I'm looking at the offense, particularly without Acuna, you know, you see this real lack of guys who have, um, you know, who are high on base guys. Uh, guys who, okay, they have a ton of guys throughout the lineup with power. Uh, guys can who can leave the ballpark at any moment. Um, but guys who are also, and you saw it in game one, and again, not to make too big of a deal of it, but, uh, you know, free swingers who are going to strike out a lot. Um and Ozzy kind of was that as well last year. Uh, and, and we know that he can be a little, uh, little more of a high average, high on base guy. I don't think he's ever going to be a real high on base guy. I mean, I, you know, he was like around a 310 on base, which is pretty low. Um, and so if he could get up to something more like a 340 on base, maybe he could hit more like 270 instead of 259 what he hit last year. Uh, I think that would be huge for the Braves. Uh, He did lead off uh, in in game two since there was a lefty on the mound, and and we all know that he is a much better right-handed swinger than he is a left-handed hitter. Um, And so he he did not have a hit in this game. He did have a a hit taken away uh, on a diving catch. Um, But, again, I really think a good year from Ozzy and and him figuring out a few things from the left side of the plate could be a, a real big key for this entire Braves offense. So anyways, game two gets underway, uh, and I will say this. The Braves hitters looked much more patient, looked, uh, had a much better approach in game two, uh, a lot more walks. Now, I mean, part of this, too, was um, the pitcher on the mound, um, the lefty for, for the Reds, was not on his game. Uh, this guy's a younger pitcher, um, and he was uh, he looked actually okay in the first couple innings, but then he really just couldn't find the plate, and they were starting to be a lot more patient with him. Uh, and so you saw you saw what happens to the Braves offense when they are a little more patient. They get a few more runners on, and um, at least a few times in this game, they were able to take advantage of that. Braves still had some bad luck uh, in this game. They still had a lot of hard hit balls that were caught, um, but um, and they had <laughs> they had a few more warning track shots, like warning track power from the Braves in the first two games. Uh, Olsen had one that I. I thought for sure was gone and it didn't go. And then Dansby also had a close call as well. There might've even been another one, but I remember those two particularly, Um, you know, and there's nothing more frustrating than a ball that you think is gone. And then it's caught at the wall. Um, But anyways, um, you you take it a little better in this game because the game ended up uh, as a win for the Braves. So let's start again with the bad. Um, A few things that, that I saw in this game that were kind of on the negative side. The bullpen is definitely not sharp at this moment. I mean, we saw even in game one with Colin McHugh uh, hanging that slider. Uh, it kind of continues uh, from the bullpen in in game two. Uh, first, you have Mentor coming in uh, for for Morton and um, and gives up a couple of runs and just did not have anything. <laughs> he he walked. I think he walked a couple guys and gave up a hit. And, uh, and then Jansen, of course, comes in in the ninth with a four-run lead and gives up three runs, and it got very interesting right at the end. Uh, you know, the thing with Jansen, I'll say, I'm not worried about him, but he comes up. I mean, nobody really hit the ball hard against him, but he, he gave up uh, quite a few soft singles. Um, I think he walked a guy as well. Uh, and he threw no breaking balls. I mean, it was only, it was only the cut fastball. Um and you could tell, you know, he wasn't really placing it where he wanted it most of the time. So it was definitely a struggle for him. He got through it and the Braves got the win. Um, but it was an adventure for the bullpen. Um you do have also the first appearances of Will Smith and Tyler Matzik and they had scoreless innings. Will Smith probably looked the best of all these guys. Matzik was uh, was pretty strong too, but he was a little bit wild and around the plate uh with some pitches. But again, I mean, you just recognize that uh, the bullpen is not ready. I mean, you have this shortened uh, spring training, and and it shows up more for certain guys. I think Freed looked okay. Like I said, he was just kind of amped up for that first game. Morton looked really good. Um, but these uh, these bullpen guys, I think it's probably going to take them a week or two longer before they really start settling into things. Uh, another negative was, I mean, I mentioned Ozzy already. He has not had uh, a good first two games. I think he has one hit in his first two games and uh you know he did get a hit taken away but i'm just waiting for him to become a little bit more of a contributor and rosario uh and dansby are still without a hit on the season through through two games again not necessarily something to be worried about but rosario hasn't really hit a ball hard yet dansby had i mentioned that he had one ball that um, maybe on a warmer night would have gone but he's also struck out a lot he's got four strikeouts uh, through his first two games so right now, you know, just a little bit of an imbalance in who is uh, contributing. Um, maybe the biggest thing that that I took away from from Game Two on a negative um, on the negative side of things is Marcelo Zuna's defense. Okay, this is not surprising to anybody that Zuna is not a great defender in left field, but there were a couple moments last night. Um, first, like really early in the game, uh, he doesn't get to a ball. Um, that he probably should have, he, he, uh, doesn't call off Swanson and they kind of collide at the end. Swanson's walking away, kind of limping a little bit. And, um, it's, it's just highlighting immediately that, well, he's not very fast out there and he's, you know, unsure of himself a little bit later in the game on a pretty routine ball. He snow coned a ball. I mean, it was lucky that it didn't come out of his glove. Um, and then if you remember in game one, too, you know, there was a play where I think a guy with a better arm could have potentially thrown out a guy at the plate. You know, Ozuna has no arm in left field and and honestly, just no defensive value out there. And so I was scratching my head a little bit with um, how Snicker uh, did the lineup last night. He he used uh, Arcia as the DH, which I didn't love to begin with. But Arcea actually had a pretty good offensive game. He had a hit um, down the first baseline for an RBI, and he had a sack fly. Uh, so that worked out. But I'm just thinking, if you're going to play Arcea, why not put him in left field and just let Ozuna DH? Arcea played a lot of left field last year. He's certainly uh, a little more athletic out there, and he's got a great arm. I mean, being a shortstop, uh, you know, he, he gives you, I think, a little more value, even though he's not a true outfielder. I mean, at this point, if you can put someone who's a little more capable out there than Ozuna, why would you not do that? So that was a big question. And I think just generally what they, what they do in left field defensively until Acuna comes back and they can, they can change things around defensively in the outfield is going uh, to be a question mark. I'm going to be interested to see if they continue to put Ozuna out there. All right, but there was a lot more good in this game than in game one. Uh, like, I had, like I've had, i already mentioned, the team was much more patient at the plate, uh, and this, I think, led to a lot of their early runs. Uh, they were able to plate a lot of guys who, who were on because of walks. Uh, Matt Olsen had a very nice game. Uh, maybe this is his coming out party for Atlanta. He went three for five. He had a double and two, two singles, and again, um, one of his outs was that ball that I thought was gone uh, that went all the way to the wall. So uh, you, you just start to see, you know, as we're getting to know Olsen, you just start to see what he's capable of offensively, and it's uh, it's pretty exciting, pretty encouraging. Um, and everybody, you know, is, is talking about his defense as well, and, and he hasn't had too many opportunities yet. But, but yeah, it's just encouraging to see uh, that, that caliber of a player um, in the middle of, in the middle of the order. Uh, Riley did not have a hit in this game, but he had a couple of walks and his approach, his good approach kind of continued in this game. So just, just more, more positive coming from him. Darno had a real nice offensive game, couple hits, three RBIs. And, you know, I'm really wondering is Darno back to maybe a little bit, a little bit closer to what he was in 2020. I'm not necessarily expecting that, that level of offense from him. But I am I am pretty certain that Darno's hand was in risk. We were, were never quite right um, when he came back last year. It it didn't get talked about a lot, and I don't know why. Uh, maybe the Braves didn't want it to be talked about from you know from the um, the guys in the booth. But but I'm pretty certain that that he was never quite right when he came back, and just they 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 were desperate for a catcher. And so if he's a little more offensively capable, that's really going to be another, um, another big positive for, for the Braves. Uh, the last really positive thing from the game was Charlie Morton. Um, he came back, pitched really, really well, uh, five-plus innings. He only gave up two hits, uh, five strikeouts. Uh, his line was, ended up being two runs, but one of those was uh, a guy uh, – the guy was on second when Morton left the game. Uh, with one out and then mentor gave up that run from him. So anyways, um, Morton, very, very positive, very encouraging. And you just kind of, you know, he's an old veteran and you kind of expect this from him that he's going to be solid pretty much every time out. So, um, good stuff from him. All right. So just closing out, uh, this episode, I want to give a few broad thoughts on these first two games. Um, and then, you know, then we'll, we'll move on to game three tonight. So, The Braves, again, I think their patience, uh, their approach at the plate and their patience is going to be a really key thing offensively this year. Um, And this is particularly highlighting, you know, who is leading off. And, you know, until Acuna returns, they really don't have a great leadoff option. I mean, I think Ozzy is a really good option when a lefty is out there because he's so good right-handed. But you see, you know, they put Rosario uh, in the leadoff spot against righties and he's just not a patient hitter. I mean, we know this if, if he's hitting well, then, Hey, I mean, all things are good, but, uh, they really don't have a great leadoff option. A, a guy who's just going to get on base for you in front of Olson and Riley. And, um, and that will be really key. Um, of course, when Acuna returns, that becomes way less of a problem. Um, but until that happens, you know, I think that is a big question. Uh, I'm waiting for warmer weather <laughs> when, when the weather will warm up and some of these balls start going over the fence. I think everything will, will start looking a lot more positive for the Braves offense. It would be nice if uh, they could put a few balls out tonight. Um, you know, the bullpen has, has not been good over the first two games. I'm not worried about it. However, like I said, uh, I just think that these guys need to get stretched out and, um, and you know these breaking balls particularly are going to start being a lot sharper. Um, their outfield defense, to me, is is the big issue. And you know this is one thing that I mentioned move, going into the season. I you know it's no it's no secret to the Braves front office that this was going to be a weakness, but it's already showing up. And I just wonder if if Snicker might might adjust the way he's doing things to get Ozuna out of the outfield sooner. All right. Guys, uh, tonight's game is again at 7:20 PM. Be sure to tune into that. The ring ceremony will be before the game. So that will be a really cool thing where these guys get their championship rings. Uh, this is Kyle Wright's debut. He's going against Vladimir Gutierrez for the Reds. Gutierrez is nine was nine and six last year with a pretty high ERA of, uh, 4.74. Um, and so I think the Braves have a nice matchup. It will be very interesting to see if Kyle Wright can bring some of the good stuff he was doing in the World Series and really has continued in the spring training, if he can bring that into the regular season this year. Remember, I, I made a bold prediction that Kyle Wright was going to have a good year, so, so I hope it starts tonight. All right, guys, well, that is it for me. Uh, just great to have baseball back, games that really matter. Braves starting the season one and one. Uh, they have two more games against the Reds, so hopefully they can uh, they can close these out uh, on a positive note. Uh, Ian Anderson closing um, closing out the series in Game Four um, as well on Sunday. So looking forward to those two games, and I'll be back with you guys uh, soon. See you later.